Thank y'all. Thank you guys. Hey, let's give a quick welcome to all of our locations. Thank you for joining us. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys, those watching online. We love y'all. Also, let's give a huge shout out to Pastor Bill and Miss Jessica, our lead pastors. We're blessed to serve under their leadership. And as Pastor Bill said, my name is Philip Borden, and I have the privilege of being part of the Church Unlimited family and staff now for over 11 years. I met my beautiful wife, Amy, here at Church Unlimited. We've now been married close to 10 years. We have, yeah, let's give it up for my wife. She deserves a praise. Come on, somebody. We have two amazing kids. My son, Ethan James, is seven years old. We love him. He's a joy in our life. My daughter is five, Adeline Faith, going on 15. Uh, you know, she's got all that sass, all that attitude. She's ready to roam. But seriously, it's a blessing to be their father. And it's an honor to share with you today. You know, Pastor Bill asked me to share today on Father's Day. And I'm honored to be here and to be able to share a message with you. And I know many of you are probably asking the same question. So we're going to go ahead and get it out of the way. Yes, I am wearing a leather jacket and it is 100 degrees outside. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you got to sweat, you know, to make that style happen. A drip. They don't call it drip for nothing, man. That's all I'm saying. But seriously, I am in a wheelchair and I do have a disability, a disease known as limb girdle muscular dystrophy. And really what that means is that certain muscle groups in my body are atrophying, they're wasting away. Um, it's, it's getting weaker every day, every week, every month, every year. And I wouldn't be telling you the truth if I didn't tell you it affected me and that it didn't shape my fatherhood. But I would also wouldn't be transparent if I didn't tell you that God is good and his word is true. And we have strength and the promise of God is true today. And when Pastor Bill asked me to share, I began to think about what I was going to talk about today. And God led me to the story, a story of Jairus and Jesus. And Pastor Bill said, I know you're going to do a great job because you have a great father and you are a great father. Well, I try to be a good father. I try to make improvements every day. And I do have an amazing father and I'm blessed to call him dad. I'm blessed to have an amazing family and amazing parents. And as I began to, to prepare today for what I believe God wants to share, I think that wherever you're at in the spectrum of fatherhood, maybe you are a father. Maybe you're a new father. Maybe you're going to be a soon-to-be father. Maybe... You didn't have a good dad. Maybe today's hard because your dad isn't here. But wherever you're at in that spectrum, I believe God has a word for you. In these next few moments, I just pray that God speaks to you as we talk about the faith of a father. The faith of a father. In Mark chapter 5, you see Jairus. Jairus is a father. And Jairus is somebody that we can relate to because Jairus, he has a little girl, a daughter. And his daughter is dying. And Jairus goes to Jesus. He says, Jesus is coming to his town. And he says, I need to go to Jesus. Jesus, I need your help. My daughter is dying. And I think we can all relate. Whether you have kids or don't have kids, you can all relate to that pain, that desperation. And we find ourselves in Mark chapter 5, verse 22. Then the leader of the local synagogue, whose name is Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands. Lay your hands. Everybody say, lay your hands. Lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Heal her so she can live. Let us pray. 
Dear God, we love you so much. We thank you for today. We pray in these next few moments that you speak through us, through your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the fathers. Thank you for being our Heavenly Father. Thank you for Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, like I said earlier, I had a great father. I have a great father. He is continuing to leave a legacy in my life, in the life of my kids, in the life of our family. And I remember from an early age, my father just leaving an example of hard work, showing an example of a work ethic. He worked in the oil field schedule that was two weeks on, two weeks off. He was gone. He worked for his family. When he was home, he made sure to spend time with his family. We had a great time playing sports, do all the things that dads and, and do with their kids. I also remember when my dad began to follow Jesus and follow God with his life. I remember when he started going to church, serving at church, being faithful to God, tithing at church, becoming a leader of God in his household. The trajectory of our family changed in correspondence to when my, God, when my dad began to follow God. And in the same way, I can sit here with the foundation of knowing who Jesus is because of my father and leading our family to Jesus. And I remember when reading this story, just I can think that my father has some similar similarities to Jairus in the sense that you can tell that Jairus was a hard worker. Every word in God's word is there for a purpose. And when God's word says that Jairus was a leader of the local synagogue, what that really meant that he was a hard worker. He, res he was respected in the community. When somebody needed prayer, they went to Jairus. It was his responsibility to make sure the temple was ready to go for worship. It was his responsibility to make sure that the rabbis were prepared to teach. It was his responsibility to be there. You know, and a lot of what Jairus taught was in opposition to what Jesus taught. There was a portion of the Jewish faith called the Pharisees who didn't agree with what Jesus was teaching. Jesus was teaching that he was the Messiah. They were expecting a king and he came as a carpenter's son. And Jesus was teaching this and Jairus, as a leader of the local synagogue, was in conflict with what Jesus was teaching. But Jairus knew that he needed Jesus. Jairus knew that he needed to go before Jesus and fall before Jesus and plead for his daughter's life. Jairus, because of his pride, could have kept his profession and his ability to provide for his family in front of his family. But he said, you know what? I don't care about this job. I don't care about the synagogue. What I'm doing, I'm going to Jesus and I'm pleading for my daughter's life. And fathers, I want to encourage you to be like Jairus in this situation. Don't put your profession, don't put your promotion, don't put the ability for you to seek that car, that house, that boat, that vacation ahead of your family. Jairus did not do this. He went to Jesus and fell at Jesus. He submitted himself before Jesus. And I think as men and as family members and leaders in our community, I think sometimes we feel like we got to be the loudest voice in the room. We have to have all the answers. We got to look strong. But Jairus, what did he do? He fell to his knees. He submitted to Jesus. Men, I think one of the greatest acts of strength that you can have for your family is to get on your knees before Jesus and show them that they need God, that you need God. That you don't have the answers, but Jesus does. Jesus is the solution. He's not the last resort. Sometimes he's the last thing we go to. We try to do everything in our own power, but Jesus is the solution. So point one, the faith of Jairus, the faith of a father leads to Jesus. The faith of a father leads to Jesus. Jairus could have not submitted himself he could have had pride, but instead he said, I'm laying it down because my daughter needs healing. My daughter needs you, Jesus. 
And I think we can all relate to that. We all take our problems to Jesus, or we have taken our problems to Jesus, but yet we find ourselves in the waiting. And in the waiting, as we fast forward in this story, Jairus and Jesus begin to go to Jairus' home. And the messenger comes up, and the messenger says, Jairus, leave the teacher alone because your daughter is dead. And Jesus says, don't worry, don't be afraid, Jairus, let's go. They find themselves in Jairus' home as we pick it up in verse 38. It says, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion, weeping, and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She is only asleep. The child isn't dead. She is only asleep. Basically, Jesus shows up and there's a bunch of people, rightfully so, having hysteria and basically freaking out. And Jesus says, why y'all tripping? She ain't dead. She's only asleep. That's my translation, by the way. You're not going to find that. It's in like the, the sub notes, you know. Um, they said, what's up? It's all good. She's only asleep. And we all got that one crazy family member, right? You got crazy Joe. He's over in the corner. He's like, who does this cat think he is? Oh, this is that Jesus, right? Oh, okay, okay. We all got that guy. But they're all in, they all have a commotion, weeping, wailing. And Jesus says, she's only asleep. Family members, fathers, mothers, parents, everybody in this room, I think we need to look at our situation and our life through the perspective of Jesus. When Jesus sees something dead, he doesn't say it's dead. He says it's alive. When we see our dreams are gone, Jesus says they're not gone. They're fulfilled in me. Fathers, when you make a decision today that will make a difference in your family's life tomorrow, you are leaving a legacy. You might think it's an easy choice to cop out. You might think it's more convenient to not bring your family to church. You might think it's more convenient to not tithe. But let me tell you something. When you make a decision through the eyes of Jesus and through the perspective of eternal life, you're making a difference in giving your family life. Whether you realize it or not, whether you understand what's happening or not. So we need to look through the lens of Jesus. Look at our situation through the lens of Jesus. Maybe you had a great father. Maybe you didn't. The good thing is that you can speak over your situation right now. You can look at your family and say, I'm going to make a difference today to make a difference in my family today to leave a generational blessing. I'm going to be the one that changed. My father made a decision that changed the course of our family. Today, you can be that difference today. You do not have to be who your father was, who your abusive parents are. You do not have to be them. You can make a difference today. Verse 41, it says, holding her hand. Everybody say, holding her hand. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old, 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Holding her hand. The first verse that we read, Jairus said, Jesus, come to my house and lay your hands on my daughter. We need you. Lay your hands. And whenever we lay hands in the name of Jesus, we pray over people today and we lay hands. What that represents is we are proclaiming the authority that we have in Jesus Christ to lay our hands in that authority. But what does Jesus do? Jesus, who has been given all authority in the world, he is literally God wrapped in flesh and bone. What does he do? He doesn't lay his hand. He gently holds her hand. And I think what that represents in this situation is religion versus a relationship. The religion says you can't do this. You got to do this. You won't do this. The relationship with Jesus says, I've done this. It's already done. Come to me. I've given you forgiveness. I'm here for you. Authority is heavy handed. Submission and sacrifice is loving. And fathers, I think that this shows us that even though you have the authority, 
even though you are the head of the household. We reflect Jesus in how we lead. Jesus died for his cause. Jesus died for his church. We are to lead our family with love. So fathers and parents and every, everybody in here, be careful not to be too heavy-handed with the authority that you've been given. Because Jesus, who could proclaim and rain down glory from heaven to heal this girl, all he did was hold her hand gently and spoke to her. I said, little girl, get up. But many times we think we got to be the strongest in the room. We think we got to be the loudest in the room. We think we got to have all the answers, dads. Jesus has the answer. And then he said, 12 years old. And again, God's word is there for a purpose. 12 years old, I begin to think, God, what are you trying to tell us? 12 years old. 12 is a biblical number. There were 12 disciples, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 sons. There were 12. 12 is a biblical number. In this, I think it represented God's dreams for his family in the sense that 12 years old was a confirmation of a young girl in this society. She was trans, she was becoming a young adult. We would call it confirmation, maybe a quinceanera here in, our, in, in Texas, where somebody was now becoming a young adult. And as a parent, I think there's nothing more than you want to see your kids thrive as a young adult, as an adult, to see your kids have children so you can be a grandfather, a grandmother, to see their dreams, to see them follow their dreams. Yet Jairus sees his little girl dead, laying on the bed. His hopes and dreams and what she was to become are dead. No more, empty, gone. 12 years represented those dreams. 12 years represented what could be. But I believe when Jesus gave her life, he gave her life in a second chance, the way Jesus gives us a second chance in life. And the way we speak over our family, the actions we have for our family can give our family life. The way that you speak and raise your kids today, fathers, will last and make an impression, good or bad. You can either bring them to church or they're going to find hope one way or another. Let you be that voice. Two, Point two, the faith of a father gives life. The faith of a father gives life. Jairus had the faith to go to Jesus. Jesus says, I see your faith, Jairus, and I'm going to go to your home and give your daughter life. It was the power of Jesus that rose her from the dead, but it was the faith of Jairus that gave her life. Fathers, it is our faith that gives our family life. And then in between this story of Jairus, Jesus, and the healing of Jairus' daughter, we see an encounter of a woman. And I believe this story shares and shows the heart of our heavenly father through the love of Jesus Christ. And as we read, you see this woman here, verse 25, it says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years, again, 12 years, 12 years with constant bleeding. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if, just, if I can just touch his robe, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. For 12 years, again, the same 12 years that God shows us later, the 12 years, she was outcast. She was set aside. In this society, she was deemed unclean. She had to bring sacrifices. She couldn't be involved in normal activity in the community because of her bleeding, because of her being labeled unclean. She was quarantined, set apart, isolated for 12 years. And I don't know about you, but I barely made it like 12 days in quarantine, you know, 12 weeks. 
Imagine 12 years. She had dreams to pursue her calling. She had dreams to have a family. She had dreams to be a mom. She had dreams to be a wife. She had dreams to be all these things. But yet for 12 years, she suffered. And then she heard that Jesus was coming into town. She said, if I can just find this Jesus that I know heals, that everybody talks about, if I can just touch his robe, which we have to understand is nobody was there for this woman, but God was there. Jesus was there. Nobody might not be there for you, but you are not alone. God is for you. God is with you. Jesus died for you. You do not have to fight your battle. You, don't, you do not have to suffer alone. God is for you and Jesus is with you. God is for you. But all it took was one act of faith. One pursuing of God. This, this woman was weak. She's been bleeding for 12 years. She was anemic. She didn't have weak. She was going. She fought through the crowd. It says she fought through the crowd. She fought her way. She said, Jesus, if I can just touch Jesus, if I can just find Jesus, one touch, let me get close. Let me get close. The crowd was there for the spectacle and she was there for that relationship. She was there understanding who Jesus was. All it takes is one faithful person to say, I believe in Jesus and you can make a difference in my life. All it takes is one father, you Father, can make a difference in your family's life. You can make a decision today to stop what you're doing so you can pursue God. You can make a decision today to say, you know what, God, I'm giving you my hand. I'm giving you what I have. Change me, change my life, change my family, forgive me of my mistakes. Maybe you don't have a good relationship with your kids. That can change today. Maybe for you, you find yourself again without a father figure. God is for you. And I want to encourage you today, maybe your kids are grown, maybe you are grandparents, maybe you don't have kids. You can be a spiritual father and mother for somebody. Be the dad, be the mom that they don't have. Don't think that your calling can't be fulfilled through somebody who doesn't have a parent. God's there for you. And all it took was one touch and all it takes was one touch. One act of faith. One act of faith. Jesus immediately feels the healing power exude from his body, come from his body. He stops. He's like, whoa, who touched my robe? And his disciples are like, Jesus, there's all kinds of people. There's, there's, man, there's a lot of people touching you. There's a lot of people around here. He said, but no one. There was one person. I feel it. One person. And then we find ourselves here. Verse 33. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what happened, 12 years, 12 years, trembling, she said, oh my goodness, what happened? She came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. He didn't say, daughter, thank you for saying the right things. Daughter, thank you for sacrificing the right things. Daughter, thank you for doing the 12 steps that allowed you to be healed. Daughter, thank you for doing this. Now, what did he say? Your faith brings you healing. Faith in who? Jesus. Jairus, the father, said, Jesus, I need you to heal my daughter. It was his faith to say, I don't care what my religion says. I don't care what my world around me say. I'm going to go to Jesus. Our father gives us healing. Healing might come in the way that you expect. Healing might not come in the way that you expect. It might be need of physical healing, emotional, spiritual Whatever it is, God is there for you. All we have to do is pursue God, ask God, be with God. Just one touch, just one encounter, just one situation. And when we understand that point three, faith in God, our Father, brings healing. Faith in God, our Father, brings healing. God loves you. God loves you. He is there for you. I relate to the woman. 
I relate. I find myself today confident in who God has made me to be and where I stand in my testimony and where I stand as my standing and strength as a father. But I wouldn't be telling you the truth if I didn't tell you that there were days that I wish I didn't have to be in this chair. I wish I could play ball with my son or there were days that I wish I could lay on the ground and wrestle with my kids and do the things that my father's father did. I find myself feeling isolated. I find myself like this situation. I find myself like this woman at times. 2010, I married my wife, beautiful wife, Amy, who is my rock and there for me. My health continued to decrease. We knew something was wrong. My son was born in 2012. Health continued to get worse. The things that I wanted to do as a father, I couldn't do. I literally couldn't bend down and pick him up off the ground. When my baby was crying, my son was crying, I couldn't pick him up. It broke my heart. Fast forward 2014, I had the privilege of being the Rodfield campus pastor. What's up, Rodfield? How's it going? Come on now. It was one of the most exciting times of my life, fulfilling times of my life. But at the same time, my health, my strength began to get worse, began to decrease. We sought cures. We sought treatment. We sought hope. That summer, 2014, God had a diagnosis that was confirmed of muscular dystrophy. I made three calls. First one was to my wife. Second one was to my parents. The third was to Pastor Bill. I said, Pastor Bill, I don't know what this means, but here's what, here's what I got going on. And the confidence that I have in this church and the, and the leadership of our church is many things. But the heart of our lead pastor, he said, I'm here for you. We're not gonna let your disability define what you can and can't do. I'm here for you. And he said, if, if there ever comes a time where we need to have a conversation, we need to think about doing something else, you just gotta let me know it's an open dialogue. And months later, year, year later, I felt God was leading me to have that conversation because things started getting worse. And as a father, all the things that I wanted to do as a father, all the dreams that you have to play with your kids. My father would play basketball with me for hours and I know I could do these things. The pride inside of me as a man, you're that strong guy. You're the guy that's supposed to be there, protect your family. And I couldn't do some of these things. The pride in me that wanted to go to Pastor Bill said, Pastor Bill, my, my strength is getting weaker. It's hard for me to do this job. I don't know if I could be in front. I, don't, I can't sit in a meeting with somebody and stand. I just can't do these things. The pride in me didn't want to face what I had to face. But God was telling me to do it. And I was wrestling. If I can be honest, I was fighting God. I was wrestling. God. I said, God, I love what I do. I love the people. We started this church. We built this church. This campus is going. I love it. And God just told me to have faith. But I kept wrestling. And as a pride, as a father, as a man, it was difficult. Because I had to admit to myself that I was lacking. I had to admit to myself that things were getting worse. I had to come to terms with my frailty and reality and my suffering and my disease. One day I was putting my, my son to bed. He was, we had a crib. He was old enough to stand. He was teething. And there were, I remember the teeth 
marks on the edge of the crib where he would gnaw them, and I'd be putting them to bed. And I was wrestling because I knew it was the wrong th- right thing to do to step out of the position that I had. But I knew I could do it in my own. I knew in that moment, God told me, God, God, his voice was audible. He said, don't worry about changing the church. Don't worry about changing the world. If you just be a father to your son, you're making a difference. Don't worry about what you can't do. Don't worry about what you're not doing. If you're there for your family, if you show your kids that you love their mother, if you are there, if you're available, who cares if you can't walk your daughter down the aisle? Who cares if you can't dance with her at her wedding? Be there for her. Love her. Show your son what it means to be a godly man in the face of adversity. That's being a father. And I, I, I sit here today without understanding, but at the time I wrestled. I didn't want to admit, but God's voice was audible and it was clear. And I had to make the, the decision that this is the reality that I live in. This is my calling. I might not be the dad that I envision, but I could be the father that my children need. My life might not be like how I wanted it, but I'm alive, I'm breathing, I have strength, I have faith, I have a wife, I have a family, I have kids. So I began to use certain things like this wheelchair and devices that help me, and, and I began to come to terms mentally and spiritually with where I'm at. And I stand here today in the confidence to tell you, I struggle, but I'm cool with it. Are there days that I struggle more? Yeah. But there's also times where, where you don't have to be the strongest person in the room to have the strongest faith. You don't have to be the loudest voice to have your voice heard. You don't have to hold on, heavy, hold on with a heavy hand to the things that you have. Give them up to God. So today, when we talk about the healing, today, when we talk about, I was saved from the burden of my own ambition, the burden of my own stress, the burden of my own failures, my own physical stature. Today, maybe you need saving. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Or maybe today you walked in here and you're like, I've made some mistakes as a father. Maybe today you're addicted, addicted to something. Addicted to something that nobody knows about. Maybe you're living a secret life. Maybe you're doing something that you're trying to hide, but God knows. And today I want to let you know, just like the woman, just like the faith of Jairus, all you have to do is go to Jesus. One faith, one act. God's word says in John 6, 47, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. It doesn't say whoever has the right scripture memorized. It doesn't say whoever lives the best life. It doesn't say whoever donates the most to charity. It says whoever believes in Jesus Christ shall have eternal life. That's what salvation is. That's who Jesus is. Jesus says, daughter, your faith healed you. Jairus, I heard your words. Don't be afraid. I'm there. Ephesians says this, Ephesians 
2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace, the power of God. Grace is the power of God that you have been saved through faith. And it is not by your own doing. It is a gift of God. It is not by your own doing. You might not have the strength. You might not have the ability. You might not have the ways to solve the problems. But if you have faith in God who sent his son Jesus for you and I, you can have the gift of God of salvation. Fathers, you might be receiving gifts today. It might be a tie. Might be no socks you, you've received years over again. You might, whatever this is, you might be receiving a gift. But what we have to understand that life, fatherhood, relationship, salvation is a gift of God. Don't waste this life. You have only one life. You're going to live your life, and at the end of the day, you're going to look back at your life, and you're not going to remember the car. You're not going to remember the boat. You're not going to remember the house. What you're going to remember is your family, the mistakes that you made or you didn't make, the, the things that you pursued instead of your family, or you're going to remember the great ways that you led your family, the great relationships, the great ways that you can look at your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and say, thank you, God, and your father will look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, my good and faithful servant. We have a choice. When you understand that God can give you healing, when you understand that the life that you give to your family is given through faith, when you understand it is our job to lead fathers, our job to lead our families to Jesus, when we understand that, we see things through God's perspective. I love this church. My calling and my life is being fulfilled in this church. I love Pastor Bill and Ms. Jessica as my spiritual father and mother. I love my kids though. I love my kids more than I love y'all and I love y'all. I love my kids more. I ain't gonna give you my kid. I don't care what you do, what you say. Look, this wheelchair got four gears. I'll take them second. We will, we will go. But God says in John three sixteen, I give you my son. And I think what happens, we hear this verse and it becomes so familiarized. We see it on bumper stickers. We hear it being said. We see it at the football games and the sporting events held on a postcard, and we get so comfortable with the verse. But you think about that on Father's Day. God, all-powerful, all-creation, created the world, chose to come to earth. He literally wrapped himself in humanity, flesh and bones. He didn't come as a king. He came as a baby. Imagine God being a baby, having to hear his mom and dad tell him what to do. He's God. And he comes, he grows, he dies a death that he didn't deserve through Jesus. God gives us Jesus. Sometimes we think about this verse and we think about what it means, but we don't understand the power of that, that God gives us this gift. We lead towards this faith, the faith in Jesus. So I want to encourage you as we close today, two things. We're going to pray in a second. We're going to pray two prayers. I'm going to pray for you. Maybe you came in here. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you are broken. Maybe you are dealing with something. Maybe you, maybe you have a secret sin, or maybe for you, you have this pain of a father and of an abusive relationship. If you lay those at the foot of the cross, if you lay those and give those to Jesus, it's not going to change your situation right now, but Jesus is there for you. He can replace your hurt. He can replace your pain. He can cover those things in his blood and his glory. And we're going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask that you actually pray. When we pray, don't just close your head and bow your, eye, uh, bow your head and close your eyes. Pray to God, fervently plead. 
And then the second prayer is going to be for those of you who maybe don't know how have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the heart of God. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. It says, truly, for whoever believes will have eternal life. For you are saved by your faith. You can make that decision today. It will be the best decision that you make. And if you hear one thing from me, that's the point. That's the purpose of our church, to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we do. And you can be saved today through that. So I want to ask if you bow your heads and pray with me. Dear God, we just pray to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I pray for those who are hurting and broken. I pray for the heart today. That Father's Day is hard because they have an amazing dad that's, not, that's no longer here. I pray that you fill their hearts with hope and peace that one day they will see their father again and they will spend many more days in eternity with their father than they did here on earth. We pray for those who are hurting, for those who are addicted, for those who are struggling, are fearful. We live in fearful times. I pray that we realize that Jesus is the answer, not political reform, not social justice. Jesus is the answer. Jesus heals our hearts. Jesus gives us, Father God. I pray the authority of Jesus as we raise up our hands, Father, in the name of Jesus, God. I pray that the authority that heals in the name of Jesus, Father God. I pray. We pray, Father, now for those who want to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now I want to speak to you, if this is you, whether it be online, whether it be right here in any of our rooms and locations, that all you have to do is admit that you need Jesus, believe that he died for you, and confess that he is Lord. That's all you have to do. It's simple. We're going to pray this prayer, and I'm just going to ask everybody to just pray along. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I need you. I believe that you died on the cross rose again, proving that you are God. I ask you to come into my heart. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And it is in your name we pray. Amen.